Lock and Load. Nobody knew who the hell he was. Or have lived in a Muslim-majority country. I know because I am one of them. How's that hokey-teensy stuff working out for you? He's now our president. He's our president. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on Earth. Taking back America, one listener at a time. This is the Bella D'Angelo Show. Joe Man Bun or Mansheim or whatever she wants to call me today, and I'm the co-host of the Bella D'Angelo Show, and somewhere out there, someplace, somehow, we are going to find that one listener that we can bring <laughs> over. I know, I, know, I know they're out there. They've got to be out there, you know. Well, we're going to have a lot of listenership. We, this is the most, um, one of the more highly anticipated shows that we've had recently. Uh, Scott Jensen who is running neck and neck with our dearly beloved tyrant Timmy Walsh and little the, Timmy, the lieutenant, soon to be hopeful Governor Matt Burke. So Matt is going to be up first on the show a little bit before five or five, and then Sir Scott Jensen is joining about five twenty-five, and uh, we've got a, a bunch of topics that we're going to talk about. A um, couple of them just to set the stage, you know, giving up the third precinct in Minneapolis and supporting law enforcement. What is the true economic picture of Minnesota? The refusal, and I didn't know this, but I guess little tyrant doesn't want to uh, join Dr. Jensen in a debate. Imagine oh, that. Oh, God, you imagine <laughs> that. I'm, seriously, I mean, well, there's really, after that last debate down, I think it was Redwood Falls, uh, you know, Scott took it to a doctor, and we should we should call him doctor because he is a doctor, so we'll call him Dr. Scott Jensen. With the burning of Minneapolis it, and then the defunding of the police, the talks about defunding of the police, so Scott and Matt are going to talk about their plan to stop crime in Minnesota, plan to fight inflation, uh, plan to lower energy costs, reduce gas prices, protect and support women, plan for your rural prosperity. And I got to say, we had Scott on a couple of weeks ago, which led to upgrading to this equipment. And he laid out a really solid plan to be able to take Minnesota back and really turn the state back to the people and really provide an economic sound plan because we need help in Minnesota. Oh, absolutely. Uh, 100%. And, you know, and the plan is great. All right. But here, here's the issue the last time the Republicans had full control, all right, or not full control. They had full control of the House of Senate, but we didn't have the governor. And they instantly went to moral issues, all right. Now, the problem I have with moral issues is they don't represent the population in Minnesota. They only represent a certain segment of the population in Minnesota. Yes, I am a Republican through and through. I'm pro-life through and through. But that's not what I'm worried about right now. What I am worried about right now is getting through the issues that are going to affect everybody in the country or in the state. Take care of all Minnesotans. Let's, instead of doing this secular governmental representation where we're saying, well, I'm only going to represent the liberal Democrats or I'm only going to represent the hardcore right-wing conservatives. How about we start looking at plans that are going to help everyday, ordinary Americans with, like you said, economic prosperity, health care, what else do we got on? And and most and foremost, crime, you know, and um, 
um, that that's that's what we need. We don't need an, a, 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 a televangelist in there that's going to be preaching "God save me." What we need is a pragmatic, thought-provoking thought person in office who's going to look at all the issues and say, "Hey, this is what's going to be best for the ordinary, average." Minnesotan who's just struggling so hard to get by right now. Well, what I really like about Scott is he's, he's anti-establishment common sense and really brings a solid platform. Um, just to give a little bit of, uh, back information. I, who did, who introduced me to Scott Jensen? I'm trying to remember because the very first time Scott came on the program, he had not even decided to he wasn't he, i don't i don't know if he was thinking about but he certainly wasn't talking about his potential race for governor but what he had done was he had taken all the data joe from the covid deaths and did a, an investigation and really debunked the numbers and it caught him a lot of national attention even on fox news it was very educational for me because being in liberal thick and at the time a very um, overly, and let's just say, I'm, I'm going to leave this out so I don't get snagged on this one, but it was very educational to be able to listen to him and look at the way that he debunked the numbers and in a state that they were trying to say that, you know, hundreds and thousands had actually died of COVID, it was actually less than 500, which, which I want to, oh, which I want to add to why I believe that Jensen would have such a strong debate against Walsh take COVID alone because Jay Dugan himself thought that Walsh was going to win and run on, was going to win, run on, let me say this backwards, run and win on, oh, I saved you, America. No, he damn near cut off the lifeline of small business owners and parents and children. And I mean, he damn near cut off the entire lifeline of Minnesotans. Oh, absolutely. You go downtown. I was just downtown recently. I went to the Motley Crew and, uh, um, Without Def me, concert. yeah, yeah, I know. It's, uh, By the way, everybody, I don't get invited to anything. Anyways, <sighs> well, you know, I'm sorry, but we, what was amazing was I went looking for a restaurant to go to before I went to the concert, and I could not find a concert because they were all closed. They don't open on Sundays downtown because they can't make any money on do- Sundays downtown because no one goes downtown anymore. They're afraid to go downtown or they lost so many of their key employees that they can't find anybody to work down there on downtown because they're afraid to go downtown. So anyway, um, we also got some other issues to talk about before we get Scott and Matt on. We got Lisa Murkowski, who's in a political fight for life. You know, the difference between uh, Republicans and Democrats is Democrats are Democrats. They say they're Democrats. They don't back down from being a Democrat. Republicans, we got a lot of Republicans that they're rhinos. They're Republican in names only. And, and these people got to go. And they are paying a very big political price. Eight out of the ten that voted for impeachment are gone. Only two survived their primaries. And we're, one by one, we're going to get rid of these people. We're going to take back the House in November. We're going to take back the Senate. And we are going to hem, I don't even know, what, what's his name? Who, who's president? I don't even think he knows. Uh, we're, Biden? Oh, yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> Jeez, Joe. 
You got to be messing with me tonight. I, I know we can. We'll go national if we have time after we got Scott, Scott and and uh, Matt coming on. And Matt should be calling in any moment here. Um, I know that I had mentioned on the last show about um, elderly care and the care facilities here in Minnesota. I don't know that I'll be able to get into it with Scott tonight. I think that that's something that I might table for another conversation. Um, just an update on Little Yoga Hot Pants. She got transferred from ICU to a regular uh, hospital room. I talked to the nurse earlier today, and Joe, I don't know, it's, you know, she's still considered septic. Um, prayers still for Little Yoga Hot Pants. I'm going to go see her tonight after the show and see how she is. She's not as chipper, she's not her chipper self, and um, so prayers would be um, appreciated. Thank you. Well, you know, uh, prayers can never hurt for anything. And uh, me, I'm going to go see the baseball game tonight, and maybe we can have uh, prayers for the twins that uh, Rocco Baldelli, the manager, will actually let a pitcher pitch. You know, we get so wrapped up with, oh, hey, look, we got Matt. Oh, no, we don't. Oh, that was close. Uh, that was uh, one of my clients. I'm going to have to call him back. Um, but, uh, you know, we get so wrapped up in all the political theater that's going on and, uh, and we, it, it's still down to the little things in life that are very important to me. And one of the most things most important to me is baseball. I, I'm yet, I haven't been to a twins game. And the reason that we're kind of stalling out right now is just we're We're just waiting for, uh, Matt to join the show. He's. He, should be on here any second here. Don't text and try and talk on your radio show, Joe. You're not you're not a multitasker. I'm sorry. I, no, yeah, you're not. No, no, you're not. No, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, 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 no. All right, all right. Fine. I'm not. You know. So many that, that don't know Matt Burke. Give give a little bit of background. All right. Matt Burke was, you know, the former center for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I almost said Vikings. Yeah, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. Uh, Matt and then went on to Baltimore and he became a Super Bowl champion. And uh Matt is he um after his, he finished his uh uh football career, he's a, a devout Catholic, I believe he's got six children. I could be wrong about that. He also lost a lot of weight, which is amazing for a center because I mean he was like really, really, really big type dude you did not want to meet in the back alley. And he loses all this weight, and uh, he um, he actually is also a stand-up comedian, which, by the way, I want to bring up to him. I want to see if he's got any quick jokes he can throw us off. Um, I met him down in uh, Rochester, and we had a wonderful conversation. Um, the guy is impeccably honest, almost to a fault. And uh, I, I have nothing but high respect for the guy. Um, you know, this is the type of guy that we need leading the state. I don't want some. I don't want someone to tell me what I want to hear. I want somebody who's going to tell me the truth, and it's got to be honest truth. You know, uh, what do they always say? They always say that the cover up is worse than the crime. You know. Look Look at Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin is now claiming that he did not fire the gun that killed that lady, and that it's not his fault. I mean, c come on, Alec, Alec, Alec. Hey, 
you're a great actor, but you're not that great. All right. They got you on videotape pointing the gun and you pulled the trigger and that lady's dead. And that's that. You know, they mentioned earlier on Fox News that they are now taking um, the police uh, the part of the police force from the streets in Chicago and sending them to movie and TV sites to protect. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, Hey, uh, listen, um, you go to Chicago, it's like going to the wild, wild west a couple of hundred years ago. <laughs> I mean, uh, I love these people talking about gun control. Do you know Chicago's got the strictest gun laws in the whole country? Yes, they do. And here we are. Well, it's not shocking whatsoever. But let's let's set up the stage because I'm I'm I just emailed Rita to see where Matt is at. So the unique piece about Minnesota, and here's the way that I see it, and I've talked about it in the past, but Joe, I think you would agree that the political landscape has changed. And we've had several candidates from areas that weren't supposed to possibly be winning. Um, Cicely Davis was last on the show last week. The show that she is on is up on the website. It's on thebelladangeloshow.com. The uniqueness about Cicely, former Democrat, um, turned conservative, feisty, fiery, wanting to bring freedom, uh, economy, and ending violence to her district. She won the primary. Oh, yeah. You know, and but here's the problem we have, and this is something that me and Cicely talked about after um, after she was off the air, is voter apathy. There, there, there were three times as many Democrats that voted in that uh, in their primary as there was uh, Republicans, and I know there's three times Democrat votes, three times Democrat people. There's a difference. Oh yes, there is. <laughs> you know, there's a. But I mean, we had so we had Cicely Davis. We've had Tom, uh, you're trying to do the multitasking. You're going to fail at it. You oh, got your head oh, up. Hey, I get here. We go. All right, set up, Matt Burke. All right, I got to bring this phone up here, and I'm hopefully I'm able to say hello. Oops, that's a Bluetooth. I'm hopefully I'm saying hello to uh, former Viking Center and soon to be Lieutenant Governor Matt Burke. Am I? Is this Matt? That is correct. I got it. You know, Matt, we were just talking about you. Uh, how I met you down at the Rochester uh, Convention Center. I was the guy with the 82nd Airborne hat on, and uh, one of the things we talked about was your impeccable candor and that you're the type of guy that is so squeaky clean and honest that you're not going to tell me what I want to hear, but at least you're going to tell me the truth. And that's what this, this state needs right now. So welcome to the show, Matt. Uh, and we've got a lot of questions for you and I'm going to let uh, Bella start it off. And, um, but uh, first of all, congratulations on your primary win. And, uh, you know, let's start out with. Uh, I thought I was going to let Bella, but Bella's pointed at me now that she wants uh, she wants me to take off on it. So, um, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. We got kind of an outline of your of the talking points, and I guess where do you want to start? The top point that I have is, um, you know, crime in Minnesota. You can't avoid it. Uh, there isn't anywhere that you're going that you're hearing. Uh, Minnesota, Minneapolis turning into 
Little Chicago. We kind of, my belief is when they let the uh, precinct burn and Walsh and Frey did nothing about it, it kind of sent the dog whistle to the rest of the country how to respond when they just want civil unrest and to prove that they can just tear cities down and, and loot and, and, and steal and no one's going to stop it. And it kind of set the stage, did it not? Yeah, I think that's accurate. So, I, you know, I always like to start if like, what what is truth? Okay, what is truth? I mean, you'll hear a lot of people now say, oh, Minneapolis is great. What are you talking about? It's not so dangerous. Well, yeah, I could go to downtown Minneapolis with my wife and maybe we have a lovely experience and we don't and, and we don't see any crime. Um, but the stats are what they are. They just came out. And crime is not a Minneapolis problem. It's a Minnesota problem. It's it's far beyond the borders of crime knows no borders. So that's so that's that's fact. Okay, we have a crime problem in this state. What does that what does that mean, or why does it matter? Well, I would say public safety, our entire way of life, or the ability to have a prosperous life or a prosperous community, hinges on public safety. Uh, if 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 the streets aren't safe, businesses are not going to invest. Property values are going to go down. People aren't going to be able to work. The schools aren't going to be as good. It all starts with public safety. And, Bella, I would agree with what you said is this culture of lawlessness that we have right now. I think we can pinpoint exactly when it started. Uh, It was the the George Floyd incident. And you coupled that with and this is something I learned talking to residents in North Minneapolis, coupled with the fact that during covid, you know, you lock people up and you say you can't go to school. You can't go to work. You can't go to church. What do you think they're going to do? They're oh. going to they're going to go around and commit crimes. And so I think you know that was the that was the spark. Um, that's what started it all. And uh, I think the genie got out of the bottle. And Tim Walls, Melvin Carter, Jacob Fry, the Minneapolis City Council, none of them have any idea how to get the genie back in. Oh, I can't agree with you more. I uh, I went down to the Motley Crue uh, Def Leppard concert, and I, I just wanted to get a bite to eat, and I couldn't find a place that was open on Sunday, uh, Sunday afternoon, yeah. which people should be down there walking and around in the parks, enjoying the what, what downtown has to offer. But you're right when you say it, it, it encompasses all of Minnesota because, you know, you got uh, – you, they call Annandale, you know, the meth capital of uh, Minnesota, or you go with the White Earth Reservation. They have gang problems up there, or, or Red Lake, you know. And the, the, you, you, you couldn't be mo- more, you know, when you talk about investment. You know, who wants to invest into a, a small town community if you're sitting there going, "Well, we got you know, meth dealer standing on the corner," you know. So, um, yeah. yeah. Moving on uh, from crime, the next one is a plan to fight inflation. And I'm very curious as to what the plan that you have on that one. Yeah, well, essentially what it is, is, uh, you know, we know that inflation is a, it's a global issue, right? Right. Uh, the governor doesn't cause inflation. Uh, you know, that's due to the president and Congress. But um, in Minnesota, where we pay such high taxes, uh, personal and corporate, I think there's a lot of levers that the governor could pull uh, or if he could, if he was a, a good leader, could get the legislator to get on board with and pull to help Minnesotans because we know that inflation isn't permanent necessarily. Um, and so, you know, in short term, help people out because what we've seen, these are national polls, but 
uh, three-fourths of middle-class families say they are now right now falling behind. Two-thirds of Americans are living, literally living paycheck to paycheck. So, well, you know, you might poo-poo something like the state gas tax, you know, 30 cents a gallon. Um, uh, you know, so you say, well, that's, that's nothing. You know what? If you're, if you're literally living paycheck to paycheck, and I don't think a lot of us, um, I don't think a lot of us are driving around for fun these days. I think we're driving because we have to get to work, get our kids to where they need to be, whatever. But if you're talking 30 cents a gallon, you know, that'd be a thousand dollars a year. So roughly 80 bucks a month. Um, that'd be a big deal if you're living paycheck to paycheck, uh, suspending maybe some of these other taxes. We have amazingly high taxes, uh, in Minnesota and we had a $9 billion surplus. So the people in Minnesota are taxed more than enough. And, uh, felt like the governor should have stepped in when this inflation was evident, uh, to, to help give Minnesotans some, some relief, um, in the, in the short term and also try to set it up so long-term. So inflation doesn't, doesn't hurt Minnesota families so much when it occurs. So this is going to be kind of a two pronged chance for you to answer. Cause we kind of skipped ahead, um, allowing you to, to answer what, what's the solution for ending the crime. And when I say it's two pronged, you know, you have the George Floyd and the rioting and the burning, which set the stage, but now you take into what economically is fueling crime because you have gas going through the ceiling. You have people that can't afford to even go to their jobs, even if they want to have jobs. And then you have the economic uh, crisis of people not being able to put food on their table. So I've noticed the increased uh, police presence at just gas stations around the around the city. So you've got the surging crime and the economic crisis. So what are kind of the two-pronged approach that you would take to both of those? Yeah, I think you're right. You know, everything's everything's related to everything else. Um, and so when it comes to crime, the way we approach it, there's there's three things. There's prevention, there's enforcement, and then there's rehabilitation. Yes. And I think prevention, prevention gets into education, making sure that our kids are getting great educations right so they have options uh after after high school we have way too many kids that just can't read coming out of minneapolis public schools it's uh it's really it's really a, a travesty um talking about a great uh economic community where there's there's ample careers for for everybody um that keeps that that, that helps prevent crime but um that's that's more long term you know right now there is a crisis and we can't we just we can't get around it we need to enforce the laws that we have on the books. And we don't have enough police officers right now to do that because of the culture of lawlessness, the lack of support by the police officers after a really tough period, uh, left the police force, retired early, can't blame them. There's not a lot of new cops coming in. The numbers in the academies are way, way down. And so how do we get that? How do we get those numbers back up? How do how do how well, do we? I mean, you know, the army has recruitment bonuses. I mean, what what do you think? Yeah, long term. And Scott and I have been really fortunate to engage some of, I mean, I mean, the absolute experts on law enforcement in the state of Minnesota. And I think it it starts with leadership that supports our men and women who serve on the police forces and who let them know that they are appreciated. Um, you know. A police officer, that's not a job. And it's not even really a career. It's kind of a calling, right, to go out there and risk your life every single day to protect your community and a lot of people that you don't know. Um, 
it's serious. So I don't think it's just more money, but I think it starts with a leader who wants to, who, who, who lets the cops know that he or she has their back and we appreciate what they do. Um, so that's, I mean, I think that that's long-term bringing, bringing honor and dignity back to that profession. I mean, it's still there, but I mean, publicly where our leaders acknowledge that, uh, short-term, short-term, what needs to be done in Minneapolis and St. Paul is they need to, uh, they need support and help from surrounding police departments in the suburbs. And, uh, it's I mean, probably too, a little bit too complicated to get into on this, on, in this sure. format, but, um, you know, they, they can essentially borrow officers from, 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 from other forces to, to help in, in Minneapolis. You see right now, uh, Governor Walz likes to talk about how he's, he's utilizing the state patrol, but that's, that's taking from greater Minnesota and putting right. that, you know, and, and, and bringing the help to Minneapolis. So now in greater Minnesota is, is less safe. Um, and so that's not really a, that's not, that's not a long-term uh, solution. The other kind of long to medium term solution that I think needs to happen is we need to train up our National Guard and put them uh, put them on the streets of Minneapolis and St. Paul for 90 day, 90 day deployments. Uh, they've done that before. They can do it again. Um, and I think that that's uh, for kind of the, the intermediate. That's a, that's a better solution than uh, when the state patrol, which which they've been calling on for for months now. And uh, at, at the and Greater Minnesota has paid the paid the price for that. But I think I think deploying the National Guard is um, is uh, is the next right move, if you will, as we work to get the numbers up. Okay. Um, you know, you've got a plan to lower energy prices. I think you just basically touched on that. Are you are you talking about you know uh, forgiving the gas tax because we had this twelve billion dollar surplus? So if we got a twelve billion dollar surplus, why do we have a gas tax? You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's a great question. Listen, we pay way too much in taxes, and and I think, I mean, I'll tell you what, I think really needs to happen is the size of our government needs to shrink. It never goes down; it just keeps going up and up and up and up. Oh yeah, and we're about to get eighty. 80- $80 billion worth of IRS agents. Yeah, there's just, but I, I mean, I mean, at the state level, uh, nothing says that we can't make our government smaller, that, you know, the government's not here to solve every, every single problem that exists or be in every facet of people's lives. Um, but as far as, you know, energy costs, I, I think the big message there is this, uh, you know, I mean, listen, we would all love to live in a zero emission world. Yes, we, we would all like that. Uh, it certainly is not going to happen in the next five years or 10 years or even 20 years. And kind of these, these California car mandates that Tim Walls wants to pass and all this talk about, listen, you know, wind and solar are not going to power, uh, are not going to power our, our world for, you know, completely for a long, long time. Right now we're talking, it's a couple percentage points of our energy grid. But when we talk about these electric car mandates, do you know who's going to foot the bill for that? Me, middle class, yes. middle class, and poor people. Yes, because because Excel is going to going to jack up your energy prices to put in the infrastructure to charge all these cars that you know these eighty, ninety, hundred thousand dollar cars that wealthy people are going to buy, and so this whole green energy platform, if you will, I say not opposed to it at all, but we have to have a realistic plan and a fair plan to get there and the timeline that Tim walls and a lot of people on the left have suggested it's way too aggressive. The bill is going to be paid by the working class and, uh, and it's not right. And we need to stop vilifying 
fossil fuels, okay? I mean, fossil fuels is what's allowed us to feed 8 billion people on this earth. Um, while not perfect, um, they, 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 they do a lot of good, and they still make up a vast majority of the energy that we use all throughout the world. And um, I just think some common sense needs to be brought to energy policy. Well, you, 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 what, do, what, you do know that, you know, those big windmills are not reusable and they're burying the fans in the desert. And now well, it's, the windmills, it's, it, it's the electric car batteries. It, 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 it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, they're talking about green, 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 but that's not what. When you got to pay six thousand dollars just to dispose of the the vehicle that you bought, you're not even allowed to resell it or junk it. You have to pay six thousand. Here, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing about electric cars and green energy. Yes, green energy is a part of uh, our energy system. But you're talking to a girl that worked in the oil field, and the oil field is far more regulated. We drill and produce the cleanest oil in the world. And one of the simplest uh, ways to get ourselves out of these high gas prices, high inflation, is to drill, baby, drill. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, to be energy independent, there's no question. I just, I, I, you know, Minnesota's on the MISO grid, so there's an app I just looked it up right now. Uh, of all the energy on the being used on the MISO grid right now, two point two point six percent is being generated by wind, and one point seven is being generated by solar. So this coal, the coal, natural gas, and nuclear, and the other thing, nuclear right. has got this really bad, bad reputation, which uh, which it shouldn't. Um, and uh, yeah, so again, I just think I think this is your classic politicians um, catering to their base, catering to some special interest groups making energy policy where they really don't have any idea what, what they're doing. It just, it just sounds really good and they can sell it to the, to the voting public. Well, and I think one of the reasons that you and, and Scott have really risen to the point where you're at is kind of what I've said on past shows. What I fully believe is that the political landscape has been changed, um, probably even forever changed by, Donald Trump, his frankness, his directness, his ability to speak directly to us about platforms that really matter, that bring what we're looking for in this country. And that's what I found really refreshing about Scott. And that's what I'm finding really refreshing about you since this is the first time that I've been able to talk to you and and the listeners. They've heard you other places. But tell us a little bit about, like, what are you hearing out there that is really allowed? It looks like you guys are neck and neck with Walsh. What is it that you're hearing out there from the public that is bringing this, um, r- rising you up in the polls? And, and I believe you have a very good chance of winning in November. Yeah, I think it's I think it's people who aren't beholden to a party, uh, really aren't beholden to any special interest groups. You know, we're just private citizens and who just, you know, during covid and during the last couple of years, saw a lot of stuff going on and just saying, hey, I can't no longer can I just sit on the sidelines. You know, I think a lot of people just want to raise their families, go to work and be left alone. And the government, uh, I, I call it a soft tyranny uh, during covid. Um, I think that that got a lot of people's attention where they said, hey, this just ain't right. And now they're just not happy with the way that be it our state or our country is headed. 
And they said, I got to do something. And so, yeah, well, granted, you know, Scott and I are conservative. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not entrenched in the Republican Party in Minnesota. We weren't even their first choice to, to, to run for governor. Uh, but I think we just we believe what we believe um, and we, we shoot people straight. And, and I think you're seeing it all across the state, Bella. Like last night I was at an event. There was a woman. She's running for school board. She's never run for anything before. There's a man. He's running for mayor. He's never run for anything before. There's a there's a, a 27 year uh, police veteran retired running for state house. He's never run for anything before. And there's me. And so I think it is just this really, you know, no career politicians, nobody, nobody who's been planning this for years and years. And getting, they're just saying, hey, I'm just a private citizen, but I don't like what's going on. And so I'm going to I'm going to do whatever it is I'm I feel called to do. It could be run. That could be donate. That could be deliver yard signs, whatever it is, but do a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Do podcasts. I think that's what resonating with people is like, well, you guys are just speaking, which, what you think is the truth. And, uh, and I'd like to think that it's pretty simple, that it's rooted in, in common sense and, uh, and, and, and with conservative values. And, um, you know, I believe in Minnesota that, you know, 70, 70, 75% of people identify with conservative values. Um, they just, you know, a lot of Minnesotans just identify with being Democrats because that's kind of what we've always been. But that the party shifted, you know, it's it's I think if people really took a kind of looked at it, they'd say, oh, yeah, I don't really stand for, for what that party stands for. So I think the key is really for us to just get people out to vote, because I think that that's just the call, key. You know, the, um, the regular old Minnesotan identifies with, 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 with what we're talking about. That's I wanted to bring that up to you was um, I was talking to Cicely Davis after we did our interview with her and she yeah. brought, she brought up that the Republican voting percentage in the metro area and CD five was terrible and um, my question is uh, we only got a couple minutes so uh, before Scott comes on yeah before Scott comes on and I have no idea how to set it up so I get both of you on at the same time so when <laughs> when I when I when Scott comes on I lose you and it's going to be kind of quick. Um, how do, how do you get people out there to vote? What are we going to do? Yeah, no, I think that's the thing. You know, CD5, Cicely Davis, another example, Jim Schultz, attorney general, Ryan Wilson, state auditor. Oh, nobody, none of these are career politicians. They're all running. And I think most of us are going to win. Um, I think it's, you know, CD5 specifically. I think you get out there and you show up Uh, from what I hear in CD5. A lot of, I say, why do you guys always know Democrat? Things aren't good. And they say, that's real easy. You guys never show up. At least they come around once every four years and promise us something. And we hope that this time they're not lying, but they always do. So I think I think showing up is important. Um, that's uh, that's the biggest thing. And then we know I mean, we know we've got to outwork them because the media is not going to do us any favors. Um, but that's just what we do. And, and I think we also we also band together, um, you know, the, the candidates, but also conservatives and just say, hey, like what people always ask me, what can I do? I say, here's what you can do. Talk to three people and say, hey, how, you know, how are things going? Like, tell me how are things going and ask them about it. Just ask them questions. And then, you know, once they kind of get to the once they kind of go through it and say, you know, things aren't so great. Because nobody can say things are nobody can say things are better than they were four years ago. I think you got to tell them, hey, look, it's really important that you go and vote in this election. Um, it's like it's it's important. And I know a lot of people don't vote. But in Minnesota, it's really easy to vote. You don't even need an ID for crying out loud. I mean, that's how easy it is. I'm, that's kind of a joke, but it's the truth. It's not absolutely. It's, it's, it's not that funny, 
but okay, it's kind of funny, right? Right. Because I think a lot of people are intimidated. They've never voted for it. Speaking of speaking of funny, you, I heard you walk you... in, you walk in and give them your name and your address, and you can vote. That's how easy it is. Yep. Speaking of funny, I heard you're a stand-up comedian. Uh, yeah, sort of. Sort. No, actually, I heard you're pretty damn good from what I heard. So, but we got one minute. Tell us how the Vikings are going to do this year. Ooh, I tell you what, I have not been following the Vikes real closely. Uh, been busy with, with, uh, with you know, running a running a campaign, trying to win the win the campaign. <laughs> I think, uh, I think you know. Listen, I love Mike Zimmer, great ball coach, but definitely needed a change. And I know that the culture around the Vikes, that things are a lot more upbeat and seem like they're a little more positive and the guys are excited. Now, all that being said, you go on a three-game losing streak and, and all that can dissipate real quickly. But I think, uh, you know, I've always thought that the Vikings, the roster's good. I thought the last few years the sum was less than the parts. So uh, I think the Vikings have a good year. I look for them to probably finish second in the NFC North. And you get into the playoffs and, uh, you know, with guys like Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson, you never know what can happen. Well, there you go. Hey, uh I really want to thank you for coming on, and uh, on behalf of Bella, of and I, I, uh, I, I expect great things out of you. Uh, it's been such a pleasure and honor meeting you down in uh, Rochester, and uh, you know, Bella, uh, she talked me into doing it. You know, uh, like you said, you had so many people out there that never thought about running. I thought about running for mayor of Columbia Heights, and then I thought, nah, that's not a good idea. So I wanted to do my part, and Bella invited me to co-host this show with her where you know and, and at first I was kind of hesitant and now I'm kind of like you know what this gives a voice out there and people and people are listening but we are getting feedback from all over the place people are listening to this going yeah that's what w- w- we want to hear this we want to hear what's going on out there but we also want to have a few laughs too you know and th- that's the problem right now is there's nothing to laugh about and smile about what's going on you know, and uh, oh yeah, no, yeah, you know, yeah. We got to be joyful warriors. I mean, we do, and and like you said, I appreciate what you guys are doing. You know, we we, we all have a role to play. My first coach, Denny Green, said, "Know your role, accept your role, and be the best at your role." You might be the star quarterback, or you might be that guy on special teams that's got to cover kicks, which is like the worst job in the world. But <laughs> I think I think the good news is I always think there's always good that comes out of bad. And as bad as everything was during COVID, the lockdowns, the distance learning, the, you know, whatever. Um, I, I think that it really got us, a lot of people, you know, off the sidelines and involved. And used to be politics was kind of over on the side. And I think a lot of people felt like it wasn't that important. Well, college, politics is important. I think we've seen the, 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 the heights that the government will go to or the depths to try to get in our lives. I think, I think politics is where the culture war is at right now. So we're talking about, you know, the hearts and minds of our young people. And I think everybody or a lot of people are aware of that now. And it's like, okay, I just, I can't afford to not do anything. And so I think that that's the, that's the good thing. That's the good thing. And now we just got to, you know, persevere and do our part and work hard. And you know, I, I mean, I've always done that and, you know, doesn't always go perfectly, but good things have always happened. And so that's why I'm optimistic for November. I, you could not have said that better. Um, I, 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 I want to keep this going as long as I can. And something just broke on, um, on the news that Minneapolis union has voted that when there's layoffs, white 
teachers will be the first to go under the new union concept. Oh, that broke uh, that broke this morning, and it also came out last night. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, pretty amazing. It, it, what is what, what? What does that have anything to? It, shouldn't it be all be about? For me, education, you pass it all through the first filters. What's best for the kids, right? Right. And so, you know, who knows? That doesn't sound like it's best for the kids. Might be, but just doing this blanket thing on race, um, that just sounds like this injecting this leftist ideology into a place where it doesn't really necessarily belong. But I, you know, I would, I would, I did a video on that today. I haven't put it out yet, but I would file that under the, what are we doing? Like, I mean, shouldn't teaching like every other, uh, I guess every other industry shouldn't be based on merit. Um, but we're going to, but we're going to do it on, we're going to do it on race. Um, well, isn't that the very definition of racism? I mean, that isn't that heading to the, that's going to head to the courts, obviously, because the first white senior tenured teacher that gets laid off is going to go, Oh no, 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 no. And it's heading to the courts and the courts are going to go, no, you can't lay off somebody on the basis of the race, creed, or, you know, gender. You can't do that. That's against the law. So I feel, I, I feel so bad for our teachers. I mean, I, we, we hear from so many teachers and, you know, they just say, I just want to teach and I want kids to do well. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I think the, the, the teachers are great. Uh, it's a teacher's union that seems to be um, one, an obstacle to kids learning. And number two, doesn't seem to really represent the, you know, rank and file teachers out there. Um, but teachers are kind of stuck. I mean, I've been in a union too. And, uh, you know, there's pressure to, especially, you know, teachers have the the option. They don't have to be in the union, but there's always internal pressure. Um, and, uh, like I said, I just think think teachers just want to teach and, and help kids do well. And, uh, the teachers union, I think a lot of times makes, makes that really difficult. You know, if you, not if, when, when you are elected lieutenant governor and what is going to be the first priority that you're going to work with Scott on when you guys take office, what is, what is going to be your absolute, you know, everybody's got, you know, their agenda and stuff like that, that they're working on and stuff like that. So you're, you're in office the first 10 days. What is going to happen in those first 10, 10 days? That... Well, I, I think the, the most important issue is public safety. I mean, depending on how, you know, how the House and the Senate elections go, I think there's some things around voter integrity and, and Second Amendment stuff that could probably get passed real quickly. But public safety has got to be first and foremost. Like I said earlier, it kind of everything hinges on public safety, right? And then uh, so... And that's a short, medium, and long-term strategy there because can't can't fix it overnight. But then, I'm really looking forward to, to focusing on education. You know, my story is, and a lot of people like to make it out like I was some white privileged kid. Uh, I wasn't. My dad delivered newspapers back when people read the newspaper. Uh, that's a that's a, that's a 365 day a year job, by the way, at two in the morning. Oh yeah. And and my mom worked at a nursing home and fortunate they put me through private school got a lot of financial aid i did work study and then uh you know got to go went to harvard but not on, there was no athletic scholarships i worked 40 hours a week but my point is education is part of my story education is a way up for people 
And uh, I think if we truly want to change lives and families and generations, uh, we, we, we have to we have to make our schools the best that they can possibly be. And, you know, Tim Walls has a has a background in education. He said he was going to own the achievement gap between white and black students in Minnesota. Well, that gap has narrowed five percent, but it's narrowed because the white students have performed five percent worse. That's not how you close an achievement gap. That's that's the bad way to do it. Um, everybody, all of our students need to uh, need to do better. And uh, if we do that, then obviously our, our society here in Minnesota will do better because we'll have a highly educated uh, population, young people going to colleges around here, staying around here, joining companies, starting companies around here. So, uh, but I think public safety and education. And that bleeds into the economy. I mean, those three things, I think those should be the main three focal points all the time of, uh, of the government. Those, I think those three things always have to be at the top of the list. Well, you, you would think that they would be the only thing on the list. You really think about it. those three things right, yeah. Let's do this since I know that we're running off the one line and I don't want to prevent Scott from being able to get through onto this line. We have the new technology map, but we still have uh, our, our, some of our limitations. Where can Love people it. find you and, and meet you face-to-face? What's your next event out in the public so people can come out and oh, find my. you? Yeah, you can go on our website. We're all over the place. I'm in Alexandria okay. tomorrow, Thursday. I'm in Mankato. We have a huge rally in Mankato. I think over a thousand people have already said they're coming. Uh, Friday, I'm at the game fair in Ramsey. So, but go on our website, drscottjensen.com or mattburke.com. We post all of our public events there. We'd love to see you. One, just love to meet you. Love to hear from you. But also, two, let's send a message that uh, you know that this, this movement is real, and Minnesota is uh, Minnesota's going red in November. That is the most exciting thing I've heard in a long time. And, hey, on behalf of Bella and I, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, giving us, you know, time is our most precious commodity. It literally oh, is. Happy, hey, well, happy to do it uh, for a good cause and appreciate what you guys are doing, too. So thank you very much. All right. I'm looking forward to being at your inauguration. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, in November, you to say. Go, go big and, and win, Matt and Scott. Thanks. Thank you, Thanks, guys. All right. Bye bye. Wow, that was. Fantastic. I just I was sitting here about ready to just like tackle you or something because if if Scott's call came in and all of a sudden you pull a a, a Joe and <laughs> you crash the call, I, was I would not do that. I've only done that like once in my life. No. You have no idea. Scott was so patient with me, and you don't you remember this when we were oh, on? Yeah, yeah, we were yeah, on yeah. this. We were on this um, app on the computer, and it was an app. And you're doing it again. You're going to try and multitask, and you you can't multitask. You it's just not even in your capability. So just stop. I'm done. I'm done. That's all I did. You know, I'm done. No, but it was uh, I don't know. It was two and a half months ago, maybe three. You and I were on that app on our computer, and uh, charming uh, patient Scott Jensen is in the wing waiting to come in, and it kept bouncing us out of this app. And finally, when we got him on what we thought we were recording, and we had this wonderful interview, he outlined so many pieces of the platform, including, I believe, reducing personal income tax. And then I go to... uh, 
uh, share the the interview and it wasn't even there, which, you know, when you say um, good comes from bad, well, that's why we're sitting here with this nice technology and we're just waiting for Scott Jensen. I well, uh, have you heard anything from him, uh, email or text? or? Uh... I just texted him, so I am going to check my email real quick. But what a great guy, Matt Burke. Oh, God, yeah. You know, you meet the guy, and he truly is salt of the earth. He is just such a wonderful uh, wonderful person, and he's genuine. That That's what's great about him. He doesn't come off like, hey, you know what, I won a Super Bowl, and uh, – I'm something special or, or I'm doing this because uh, I made my millions playing football and I got nothing better to do, that type of guy. He's doing it because he truly believes in what he's doing. And, um, you know, and he wants to be a, a servant of the people. And that is what, you know, I'm not going to lie. When I first went down to the convention, I was all behind Mike Murphy. Uh, I was behind Mike Murphy. Um, I got to say this. I was torn because, like I said earlier in the show, Scott was on the show, I don't know, probably seven sometimes, and, and especially once he started to – once he declared that he was running for governor, then he started getting on, and then I started meeting some of the other candidates, Mike Murphy, who I liked Mike, like you, but I was also torn. Well, I liked Mike. I didn't like his lieutenant governor. That's the problem. Which one was the lieutenant governor? Lacey. Lacey Johnson. Lacey Johnson. And Lacey Lacey made that whole. Oh, my God. He made the whole damn thing about himself. You know, Mike's got great ideas. And Lacey's up there saying, well, you know, do you know how hard this is for me to be a black guy running with a white guy? And I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? You, you're you're representing Minnesota. You're not representing North Minneapolis. You're representing Minnesota, all of Minnesota. That's what this whole thing is about, Minnesota. Not it, we're, we're we're talking about from War Road down to Vegas. Did you know we have a city named Vegas, Minnesota? For those of you listening, if you don't know where War Road is, War Road is on the border, literally, of Minnesota. No, I didn't know there was Vegas, Minnesota. Oh, yeah. It's down on the southern end, down in the hills, down uh, south. Where you and the duck got married. No, we did not get married <laughs> down there, but, you know, we uh, walked down there. If you're wondering what the heck oh, I'm talking about. Oh, here we go. You know, the guy's got one lousy pet duck, makes the news, uh, and, you know. No, I... Okay, so let's. As we're waiting for Scott, um, what do you know about the stats? Because you kind of you you knew that they're running neck and neck. Um, what else do you know about the campaign that you might be able to fill in while we're waiting for Scott? Well, I know that you know. Uh, un- unfortunately, the big o, uh, big A is out there, the abortion issue, and that's what. Um, Little Timmy is, you know, harping on that uh, Scott Jensen is far too extreme to become the next governor because he's pro-life. And I don't, I, you know what? I don't see how that's going to hurt Scott. Here's why: the the, the loss of family values. You know, that's one of the that's one of the cornerstones of. A lot of what I believe is going to drive a lot of attention, the loss of of family values. And because it became so much out in the forefront, there are so many large groups that are 
pro-life that is probably surprising to some of the, especially to the Democrat Party, I don't think that's going to hurt Scott and Matt. Well, on the other side of that is that there is no life if you can't feed them. They all lend to themselves. Yes. That's why That's yeah. why I say we're in a, you know, what is Timmy really actually going to be running on? And that leads to what I mentioned earlier. I guess he really doesn't want to debate Scott up on the debate floor. And I'm not shocked. Scott is a very well-poised um, individual who is very smart and eloquent and has got a wonderful platform that I don't know how Walsh will be able to come back with intelligent answers to be able to come up against him. Well, the bottom line is, you know, it's what, what I, when I talk to people about the situation at hand, the, I have only one question. Are you happy with what's going on right now? And if you are, okay, so be it. But if you aren't, then do something about it. And the first place you can do something about it is at the polling station. This is your most basic fundamental precious right that we have in America, the right to vote. And with the right to vote, you have the opportunity to make changes. And um, if, if you, if you can honestly look me in the eye, anybody in a state and say, you know what? I'm okay with what's going on. Then maybe you need to go see, shrink or something like that um i don't i don't know because how can you possibly be happy how can you put, sit there and say you know what i'm paying x amount much more for fuel oh god wait till this freaking winter comes along and you know people are going to start looking at their uh heating bills if they can even afford to pay them you know i i i don't i just so here here we have this Everybody I talk to, and whether it's you know, I'm in an Uber, whether it's on a, I'm on the job sites, whether it's walking on the street, everybody's on the on the tip of their tongue. No, I'm not happy with what's going on. I'm not happy about the direction of the state of Minnesota. This isn't Minnesota. We don't burn down our cities. We're not Chicago, but now we are. Now we are. We, we have the highest murder rate in Minnesota history. We have the highest violent crime rate in Minnesota history. Well, you know, somewhere, someplace, somehow, that buck stops. And just like the Biden administration coming up with, uh, I believe, Trump, I believe Trump will be announcing his campaign once we get to the midterms. And just like Biden and the entire Democrat Party has no real solutions for what how to fix what's going on in this country. Timmy, the tyrant, will have no real solid. Here's the thing. We're wanting solid answers. We want solid policies and platforms. We want them spoken directly to us as individuals and people, what we're craving. And that's why I believe that Matt and Scott will take us to victory in November. Again, for their website, I'm going to wrap up. We've got one more minute left. It's drscottjensen.com. Um, it talks about all of these action items. When you look at the plan, the make carjacking a crime with harsh penalty, stop nonprofit funding to bail out criminals, bring in the state patrol to reinstate order, make penalties harsher, screen and appoint judges who will uphold sentences. Judges must follow guidelines, protect the children, and ridiculism with productive training. 
corrective labor and community participation, use the National Guard. It goes on and on and on with solutions of how to fix and take back the state and bring law and order, economy, and saving the educational system. And with that, I'm going to wrap up. Uh, we well, will. We, res- we go a couple minutes more. I mean, no worries. Uh, I, I, okay. I, well, I got a couple questions. Well, okay. Apparently, you must have got an email that Scott's not going to be able to make it. I have not gotten that yet, but I know that. Okay. Uh, apparently, uh, Scott, we, we were planning to have Scott Jensen on and Matt Burke, but uh, it looks like we're only going to get Matt on tonight. And uh, which, hey, incredible interview with him. Uh, something must have held up Dr. Scott Jensen, and that's okay. We we will try to rebook him for next time. Um, and I know that this man is a man of integrity and we will get a chance to ask him some of the hard questions that we wanted to ask him. And, uh, hopefully we will be sitting there watching him get that inauguration. Got it. Got it. We will be at his inauguration. (laughs) Well, let's wrap up because this was a great show and I'm wanting, uh, those guys to promote it up on their website. Um, this has been a great show and I know that we'll get Scott lined up. Hopefully we'll get him lined up for next Tuesday. So any closing state statements? Otherwise I'm going to take it from here. I am headed down to the twins game. So everybody cheer on the twins and hopefully we can get back in first place. (laughs) And it was a great show and I had a lot of fun and it was really good talking to Matt Burke and I'm leaving it to you. Great honor. I've heard many wonderful things about Matt Burke, and uh, we'll get Scott on for next time. And at this point, I'm going to say good night, God bless, God bless America, and ciao for now. All right. Hey, everybody. Listen, uh, we've got Dr. Scott Jensen on, and uh, he was nice enough to call in after he just came out of a funeral. And my condolences uh, immediately. Uh, Bella's with me. we just wrapped up a wonderful interview with Matt Burke and outlining how we outlined some of the platform of your campaign and just really excited to have you on. I was explaining to our listeners, this is probably about your sixth or seventh time on the show and you're, you're running neck and neck with our tyrant, uh, Timmy Walsh. So we're really excited for November for you guys. I am too. And I'm excited to be running with Matt Burke, but on a broader level, Bella, I feel like, I'm not just running with Matt Burke. I feel like I'm running with a good, good share of the state of Minnesota. People are so engaged, so absolutely committed to getting out of the spectator seats and getting into the arena with Matt and I. They are taking slings and arrows for standing up for what they believe. They are they're getting bruised and bloodied, and they're saying, we'll take it because America's in trouble. America needs our help. We never thought this could happen to our country, to our state. But by darn George, it's happening. So it's time for us to stand forward. And that's what people are doing. They are standing side by side with Matt Burke and Scott Jensen. Um, you know, we went over your list um, uh, of things that, you know, we the, the, the major problems that we have. We went over with Matt Burke, a plan, you know, to stop crime and inflation and lower energy prices. But... I hate to do it, but I'm going to go to the hard one. And sure, go for it. Okay, it's the one that uh, Governor Walls has been running 
the commercial saying you're too extreme for Minnesota on your abortion stance. And for the record, where are you, doctor? I, please tell us how and where you are. Well, before I answer the, the question directly, I'm just going to say this. I think it's important to realize that conversations matter, context matters. When we were conversing about this as a political issue four months ago in March, seeking the endorsement, Roe v. Wade stood strong and had been standing strong for literally a half a century. That changed dramatically in June when it was overturned. We saw evidence of that when just a couple of weeks ago, Kansas, a conservative state, an absolute pro-life state, voted to preserve access to abortion for its women or its female citizens. So in that context, Matt Burke and I analyzed what had happened with Roe v. Wade being overturned. We talked about it at length. We researched and we traveled all across Minnesota to talk to people on both sides of this issue. And I had done some clumsy messaging in March where when I was thinking more of third trimester abortions, I might make a statement like I would ban abortions. But I've always, as a physician, held the view that when I'm dealing with a pregnant mom or a pregnant woman, there's two lives. The very real life right in front of me and in the body of the pregnant woman, in the person of the pregnant woman, but there's also the, the unborn child. But I think that we have to say, what is the priority? Because that's what medicine does. And for me, the priority is always the pregnant woman in front of me. And if her pregnancy endangers her mental or physical health, that would always be a situation where it's no longer a legal matter. It's now a private matter, healthcare matter between patient and physician. Because anything that would affect or endanger a maternal, a, 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 the mental or the physical health of the pregnant woman would be an exception. I never felt it was necessary to try to identify all the potential exceptions, but certainly rape and incest would be acceptable exceptions, but so would advanced maternal age, morbid obesity greater than 400 pounds potentially, premature age of pregnancy less than 15, myocarditis, chronic renal failure, sickle cell anemia. So I never really thought about it a great deal because I've only talked about it as a doctor. I've never talked about it as a politician because Roe v. Wade was the law of the land. Wow. So to, get to, your question, to, to get to your question directly, I think that Bill Clinton said in the 1990s to try to bring some peace in the valley, he said, safe, legal, and rare. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking we need to make it safe, legal, and protected. That means that women do need to have access to this procedure at some point in the early chapter of a pregnancy. But the unborn fetus in the third trimester also warrants protection. And I think both Republicans and Democrats have supported some protections for women, specifically in regards to parental notification for daughters under the age of 18 
informed consent where an abortion can be accomplished, who can perform the procedure. These kinds of protections for women have been supported by Democrats and Republicans alike. So for me, Matt Brick and I have indicated clearly to be pro-life from our perspective is far more than simply not liking abortion. It has to do with, let's elevate both the, the woman and the child, but let's try to make abortion almost a non-factor. Let's get birth control pill to women over the counter. Let's make it cheap. Let's make certain that society shares the burden of, if you will, family planning and having pregnancies when we anticipate and choose to have a family. And for the clumsy messaging that I've been responsible for during the course of the campaign, that's on me. I'm grateful for the chance to have the conversation with so many Minnesotans, so many people, so many young, powerfully engaged women that have helped me sort the issue out and have helped Matt Burke and I talk it over. But for both Matt Burke and Scott Jensen, being pro-life is about a lot broader brushstroke than simply not liking abortion. It has to do with lifting moms and children up, and it has to do with sharing responsibility. Wow, that's, that's that is that, that's so good because the the problem I've always felt with you know the extreme pro lifers is that they they're they're pro birthers they're not pro child and uh, I've always felt that I'm being a I'm an adopted child myself um, I grew up with adopted parents and stuff and what we have in this country is these people that you know the the child's born and then they don't care what happens next all they care about is that that child has to be born but moving on uh cuz we only got you for a couple more minutes bella you had a follow up question i guess scott where do you want to start um like i i started out with you you're running neck and neck with with walls what's really exciting out there that you're hearing from the public and then what is the first most important part of your campaign which issue would you like to talk about first well, I think that it's pretty clear that the top three issues are going to be public safety. We need to somehow, in a powerfully strong manner, address the fact that lawlessness has invaded our land. And that means we need more cops on the street. We need a restorative justice program. Incarceration has to be used as a tool for deterrence. We need mandated minimum sentences to be just that, mandated minimum sentences. And that means judges and prosecuting attorneys cannot allow plea bargaining of two felony charges for a potential of 17 years imprisonment to be plea bargained down to four months, whereby those four months are spent in house arrest. These things have got to stop. Without question, public safety is the number one issue. When Governor Walls demonstrated that he would not put the National Guard on the street when Jacob Fry asked for it, when he decided that he would give up the third precinct building, when he decided that he would tell the state patrol to stand down because the demonstrators wanted to tear down the Christopher Columbus statue. In every one of these situations, Governor Walls showed the kind of leadership he would have. That's, that's issue number one. Second issue has got to be inflation and economy. And Governor Walls put policies in place that clearly drove an inflationary cycle forward at an alarming rate. When he said for three and a half years that he wanted to increase the Minnesota gas tax by 75 percent, 
That's a huge inflationary push. When he came out and hooked our wagon to the California car emissions, that automatically increased the costs to the refinery as they tried to take crude oil and refine it into gasoline products that go to our gas stations that we can put in our tanks. That drove the price up directly because of the low carbon fuel requirements of the California car mandates. He did all these things. He fractured supply chains. This is on him. And the third issue has got to be, what are we doing to our children? We are hypersexualizing them in elementary and middle school grades, which is ridiculous. We are indoctrinating them rather than giving them a basic foundational education. Rather than teaching them how to read and to write and do some arithmetic, we are literally making them pray for ideologues who see no harm in trying to literally indoctrinate these young children. And that has got to stop. Those are the three big issues that we're talking about, tremendous amount. But I think the issue that we're not talking about enough is the issue of leadership. Because Matt Burke and Scott Jensen will make mistakes. We will lead strong. We will speak to the issue. We will trailblaze tough issues. We will not duck the questions that you ask. That's the kind of leadership you're going to get from us. But I think we've seen the kind of leadership also that we're going to get from Tim Walls. We're going to get more of the same. He's going to demonize Matt Burke and Scott Jensen as much as he can. I think they spent $2 million on an ad campaign to come against us that started 10 days ago and will probably go for another two weeks. And then they'll change styles and go buy another big chunk of TV because they are literally a money machine. And yet you're still running neck and neck in the polls even after that. Uh, you know, I watched some of those ads and I'm just like, are you kidding me? I mean, if I were you, all I would do is just put up photos and videos of the third precinct burning going and put a here's your leadership here's your leadership baby that's all you got well, what, we're, what we're telling people is to walls's you know ad campaign we're saying listen make no mistake about it abortion is not on the ballot in november no it's abortion not. in minnesota because of dovi gomez in 1995 is a constitutionally protected right of all women in minnesota and that's not going to change without a constitutional amendment and a constitutional amendment has no, nothing, nothing to do with the governor. The governor does not play a role in it, does not sign it, does not veto it, does not participate in it. So we're telling people that. But I think it's also important for people to realize that, quite honestly, Tim Walls has demonstrated to us that he is going to try his level best to distract the voters from what the real issues are of public safety and inflation and our children. He's going to do everything he can to dodge his responsibility, and he's going to duck every debate. He has now told us that he's not going to debate us at the state fair. He's not going to debate us in front of the Chamber of Commerce. He's not going to debate us on Almanac. He's not going to debate us in Rochester. He is basically trying to take a page out of Joe Biden's playbook. I, I was going to say he's following Joe. So does he give yeah. any reason why, it, or it, it just flat out no? Flat out no, and then he said, there will be at least one more debate, didn't tell us when, but he said there can be no audience. So he's telling Minnesotans, you don't get to be there because he doesn't want you there. I mean, this is crazy, and yet this is the situation we're in. It's, and I'm hoping that Minnesotans will rise up and say, no, this is unacceptable. This is absolutely unacceptable because we've seen this in the past where when Minnesotans don't feel like they're getting a chance to understand and know what their candidates are thinking, why they think that, 
why they've done what they did. Minnesotans are not going to buy into that, I think. And that's Tim Wallace's biggest problem is when it comes to leadership, he has fallen short over and over again. And I don't think Minnesotans are going to allow him to duck all these debates. I I don't think so either. And Scott, you've been on the program several times and we've talked about you know, let's from the the burning af- and the the looting and the criminal activity after George Floyd to COVID, and when everyday Americans start to realize the impact from their children, their education. You talk about the perversion, um, the health. You know, some so many of the health crises that happened because of the lockdowns. All of these things that happened to this state, which I have said for a long time, it's really changed. We're a different society prior to COVID. We're a different society prior uh, or after Donald J. Trump being in office. We want real leadership that can talk to us and deliver a platform that speaks to who and what we are. And here in Minnesota, your top three um, going after uh, crime, inflation, and energy costs, and restoring real leadership is what Minnesota is really looking looking for and that's what you're delivering and by Tim not wanting to debate you it's because he won't have the type of common sense answers all he will be able to resort to is the kind of bloviating typical political rant that he whether he knows it but I think he's intimidated in coming up against you Scott well again Minnesotans our, our biggest resource in Minnesota is our people. Minnesotans are a marvel, and they're going to rise up and stand up, and that's why we feel optimistic about uh, the election on November 8th. I'd love to come back on your show again, and I apologize again for being late. No, but, no, uh, you, you don't have to apologize. I mean, anytime you're dealing with the death, that's, hey, come on, that's something you should well, never have you, to apologize let me, let me, for. Let me, let me just tell you about the death. This is one of my favorite people. He died and he was 100 years old and half of, and uh, 100 and a half years old. Uh, he was in my office a few weeks ago. We did a Facebook Live. He's a delightful man, a life well lived, and I, uh, I'll miss him, but I celebrate his life. Hey, if you can make it to 100, that he... <laughs> and thanks for sharing that story, Scott. I saw that posting on, on Facebook, and I know you just want to give us a couple minutes, and I would love to have you back on where we can have you on the whole segment. What do you want to say in, in wrapping up, and then we'll, I'll get with Rita to reschedule you? I would just tell all Minnesotans this. None of us are extreme, really. In each of our minds, we try to do our best. In each of our minds, uh, we, we try to get good information. And I think it's important that this campaign not be about name-calling. It's important to talk about what decisions were made. Why were they made? Are people willing to own up to when they they make a mistake? Uh, Can they say, hey, I said that poorly. I was clumsy. I did that wrong. I froze. I should have done better. I think Minnesotans are going to be uh, the thoughtful voters that they traditionally have been. And I think they're going to decide in November who's going to be their next governor. And if they want to learn more about Scott Jensen and Matt Burke, all they need to do is go to drscottjensen.com. We would invite uh, and welcome their, their comments. This is about all of us together. So thank you again, Don. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, could not have been what better said. Uh, Appreciate it. Looking forward to you very much having you on again Um, and God bless you and keep doing up the good work that you're doing. Thank you very much. Thanks, Scott. 
Lock and Nobody knew who the hell he was. Or have lived in a Muslim-majority country. I know because I am one of them. How's that hokey-cheesy stuff working out for you? He's now our president. He's our president. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on Earth. Taking back America, one listener at a time. This is the Bella D'Angelo Show. Yeah. 